Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves on 3CR Community Radio. You've just heard Sally with Out of the Pan, and Sally's show is on from midday to 1pm every Sunday. So today uh, we're at the Geelong Rodeo. I'm here with Adam, and it's Caroline, and we're going to have an interesting day talking to people about uh, the rodeo that is here. Apparently, it's the first time in 12 years this rodeo has been on, so it, uh, it's getting pretty busy on the streets already. It's not it's recording. Yep, it started recording there. And we're uh, no, that's not quite right. They, they have been held here uh, up until COVID okay. uh, in, in various iterations. They've changed over the years, and uh, but certainly I think you're right in terms of the form that it took um, all those years ago. Uh, at the time those radios were going on, things like direct calf roping around the neck, all that sort of thing, and the wrangling of them and taking them to the ground, calf and roping, all those sorts of things were still legal in Victoria, um, and, and they're not anymore. So there was a bit of a shift. Things like today's event, which, um, uh, you know, uh, I think in the US terms they call it Mustang riding or, you know, you know Broncos, all that sort of stuff. And there is also, I believe, in this event, um, uh, that they have a, a circuit of, of women riders and they have a rope already pre-attached to a calf around the neck and the idea is that that is wrapped around the horn on the saddle and as they go out um, they have to be able to loop the neck of the calf and as soon as that's done they have to release the rope from the saddle and they're timed on that. Okay. Right now this is supposedly to prevent the jerk reaction um, but it relies upon the rider being fast enough to be able to release it from the horn of the saddle before that jerk action happens, and uh, from what I've seen, and we, and you know, th- there's two different uh, versions of uh, film of that. Uh, one which gets out into from the, you know the media from um, you know the, the pro rodeo side of things, and then there's the other stuff where you don't see the the majority of times where they they're just not quick enough to do that, and and the calf is jerked. So. You know, that, that's the sort of subtle change. But we have also had prior to COVID, we had those, you know, the pro bull riding, which came yeah. from the US, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that, that's also taken place here. But, but either way, yeah. um, the shame goes on the city of Greater Geelong for allowing a permit for these things to take place. Now, I'm not exactly sure what permit was issued for this particular event, but in the past it has been um, a temporary construction permit, a temporary really? structure. Well, because what they have to have in here is they have to have um, a portable grandstand. 
and in order to do that you need a permit to erect a temporary structure. So that's the permit under which they've been allowed to go ahead. Um, I have protested that in the past to the council in writing. Um, they have come back and always said, well, no, we're not going to you know, stop doing that. Um, so the, the campaign will go on. Um, you know, seeking re-election in November. I've looked into the various acts that need to be reformed to prevent radios from happening in Victoria, and it is a lengthy process. It'll take approximately nine months to write the legislation um, because there is the substantive act and then there is the subsequent consequential acts. Um, so it is quite in-depth for what might seem such a very, very simple thing of just banning an act of animal cruelty. And we were, we were um, talking about this earlier. How do they even... You know, with public liability and insurance and all this sort of stuff, this is a dangerous, um, a, a dangerous sort of exercise for the animals, definitely, mm. but also for the people. There's often injuries and things. How do they? How do they um, get? Get a, like, how do they afford the insurance to be able to do this stuff? Well, work? well I, I think you'll find that in this day and age, um, th- those sorts of things will be becoming a lot more expensive. I think in the past they've been covered by typical event insurance. But um, I, look, in, in my electorate of Western Victoria, there are a number of music festivals um, who are, you know, they, they've, they've had various amounts of help from the state government to prop them up, to keep them going. You know, well, they haven't had them during COVID, but to make sure that they're able to continue after COVID. But what is killing them is the event insurance. So I think you'll find, and I'm hoping, that um, these types of events, as a result, would perhaps die a natural death. It might well be that their insurance is actually being underwritten by the agricultural societies, because by and large they're held at showgrounds which are run by agricultural societies. So I think you'll find that's probably the path forward for them. And do we know like what the um, appetite of the public for these sorts of events are? We're standing across the road from the main entrance and we've been here for maybe half an hour and people were lining up from that point. Mm. There's maybe, I don't know, 100, 200 people that have gone in so far. Mm. Are they a popular event? It shocks me. I mean, obviously, I don't really, not really interested in these sorts of events, but it shocks me that so many people are. Well, look, it truly is um, a regional or rural event. Mm. You'll, you'll find this is being held here because not so much the people of Geelong are actually into it, but Geelong, as a, a Australia's largest regional city, is the gateway to the west of Victoria, where you do have some sort of popularity there. There will be people who have turned up here who've come from sort of like the far-flung regions of western Victoria, um, and, and there are others that are held in coal, like that sort of thing. It is definitely a regional activity, um, but... You know, of course, that's no excuse for any uh, animal cruelty at, at all. Um, you know, and you know, case in point, you know, um, I, I think the tide is actually turning on that regard in terms of public opinion, but not just public opinion, but of the judiciary. Because we've, I, I noticed in the Age the other day, um, a, a gentleman um, outside Ballarat, farmer up there, I can't quote the name, of course, but um, he's been convicted of animal cruelty to his livestock. He's been fined over $60,000 and banned from owning any animal for 10 years. Mm. So, you know, th- there is a lot swinging that way. And previously, the judiciary would look at that and go, well, he's a farmer, he knows what he's doing. It's probably just accidental neglect or anything like that. Um, the, the tide is turning and attitudes are changing and, and our laws need to actually reflect that. These things, are, they, they are, they're dying a slow death it, they're, and, and they're not that popular really. In, you know, they, they bring a small amount of money into regional communities when they're held but um, you know, the local farmers market that they might hold on a Saturday brings in more income than any one of these. So you know, 
as I said, it's no excuse for any type of animal abuse, and that's exactly what these things are. They're animals being used in entertainment in a violent way, and, and it's time for them to you know, go the way of the dodo, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I read um, in relation to what, what's actually going to be held here today that uh, they actually have a cow's kid hour, mm. and that's um, designed so that children at the event can try roping um, and bucking several dummies mm-hmm. that are used generally for testing. So I guess there is an appetite to engage with younger um, mm. younger attendees and try and get them into um, this whole uh, whole event, which I think is pretty pretty shameless and pretty horrible way to sort of use children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've also been reading about uh, the use of the flank strap, and I know we've talked about this in relation to um, the PBR events that mm. I mentioned previously. Sorry, what's the flank strap? The flank strap. Yep. So previously there had been a lot of um, noise about a flank strap being actually tied around the animal's groin. Mm-hmm. So that is no longer allowed. But even in the PBR animal welfare document, they do talk about how it is tied very tightly, very low on the ball to annoy them. Mm-hmm. So if we annoy them before the gates open, then we get that great bucking that we want in the show. That's right. Yeah. And, and and that's exactly the point. It's about purposely agitating these animals who are already in a highly agitated state. These particular areas where they're being kept, where they're being moved out, and, and today is a little bit different from the PBR events. Typically those events will have lots of loud music, lots of flashing lights, smoke machines, pyrotechnics. pyrotechnics. You know, they're there to put on this, this great American show, you know, and, and consequently the noise and, and the, the stimulation for those animals is just enormous. So they're already scared out of, out, scared out of the daylights, you know. So it, it, to then use a flank strap as well to, to more highly agitate them is just outrageous. It's just outrageous. And, you know, PBR has a, a, an absolutely terrible, terrible animal welfare record. Several animals have actually died in their events, including in Australia. Uh, most recent one, the last one they held, one, uh, a bull fractured a leg in Adelaide, and that animal was in pain for nearly 30 minutes before they decided to euthanise him. You know, so uh, this is the dangers of what happens, you know, uh, whenever... Um, you put animals in these situations where there is a high impact in the in the the actual event. You know, we, we see it in greyhound racing all the time. You know, these are um, they're highly tuned athletes, if you like, but they're, but they're built in that way. They're strong on muscle, light on bone, and you know, when they collide, um, it, it, they break legs. They they break, you know, they break their necks. Everything happens, and and it's just absolutely terrible. They're in pain, and they. They're, they're not typically euthanised very quickly. You know, an assessment has to be made by the vet to find out what's going on and to make that judgment call then and there. And these are no different. You know, these horses, you know, they're, they're quite muscular, but that, that impact has the potential to, to break their legs because it is high impact and they are highly agitated. You know, I'm absolutely certain these animals, if you gave them the choice, would rather be sort of, you know, flitting about in a paddock somewhere at, at their leisure and eating as much grass as they, they choose. Yeah. Yeah. Just before we move on to um, speak with some other people who are here, uh, do you have anything to say to the listeners um, if they wanted to sort of help stop these sorts of events going ahead or, or, um, or get in contact with their local area to, to sort of 
yeah, what would you suggest people could do? Oh, look, I, I, I'm um, enormously proud of the fact that Victorians are probably more politically aware than residents of any other state in Australia. And my message to them would be, check to see if you are living in a marginal seat that is held by a Labor MP. Okay, whether you're upper house or lower house, it doesn't matter. If it's marginal for them, then um, what you need to do is look at how many votes there are, garner support by way of signatures from enough people to change the seat by their vote, and then seek a meeting with that MP to let them know that if they don't get behind a push to change it, to outlaw it through legislation, then you will vote against them at the election and they will lose their seat. Because, and you know, I was talking about this with someone this morning, um, it's never going to be the case in any part of Australia where a minor party or an independent can hold government. That's just not how it's going to work. You're either going to have one of the two major parties hold sway in government. Now, that's fine, but what they need to understand is that these people, these parties, seek power at, at all costs. They want to hang on to government. So the thought of losing seats, the thought of losing power, is the overriding factor in everything that they do come election time. We've got several elections coming up. You know, we've got, um, I think the first one is in March in South Australia, uh, state election in March. Then we have, in May, we'll be having a federal election here. Uh, there's a by-election in New South Wales for Eden Monaro, and then we have our own state election here in November. That's the one that people need to be targeting, that state election. Check out your seat. If it's a Labor member and it's marginal, a few hundred votes, go for them. Let them know. And get the signatures to show them that you can change the seat. Good advice. Fantastic. Wise words, Andy. Cheers. Thanks so much. No problem. My pleasure. It's all about a voice in our own country. We've got a reason to screaming out, where's our voice in this country? You know, not that I want to be a part of the Constitution for that, you know. That's why 3CR is so important to, to me and this community here. We've got a voice, but it's not, you know, we're entitled to a bigger voice than what we've got. But it's all about having a voice. Subscribe to 3CR, fiercely independent and community controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. talking to Cynthia. So how are you going Cynthia and why are you here today? I'm here today to uh, support Animal Justice Party and also to help um, explain to the attendees here at this rodeo that this is cruelty, it's not entertainment, it's animal abuse. These animals aren't here of their own volition to participate 
They are forced here. They are cruelly treated in order to entertain a crowd of people who just don't understand what's really happening behind the scenes. Um, and I believe that rodeos should be stopped all over the place, everywhere, as soon as possible. And the treatment of these animals, um, you know, the viewers think that they're treated like royalty, you know, fed beautiful feed, living in, in splendour in order to come to these, but they're just abused animals mistreated, forced into behaviours that they would not normally do and I think it's wrong and it should be stopped. Very well said, very well said. And what do you think when you come to an event like this and obviously there is pushback from the attendees of people who are here that think that this is a great sport or it's a great family day out. How do you deal with that? I would like to think that the people who uh, give us the finger, mouth off at us, laugh at us, are feeling shame and that that is their way of dealing with that shame. But I don't think that's actually true. I just think that um, they're, they're just ignorant of what's happening and they are more self um you know, they're just thinking of themselves and just thinking that it's fun and just wanting to yahoo and enjoy seeing uh, a, a creature, a, a sentient being who is powerless. They just enjoy that power over bulls, horses, calves and so on. And I think it's a, an odd mentality to have to enjoy watching animal abuse. Couldn't agree more with that one. Certainly I've been quite perplexed at the promotion of events like this as family-oriented. Um, and you might recall a couple of summers ago we went to protest the event up at Yarra Glen. You remember that one? Yes. And a couple of people, we bought a ticket and we went inside so we actually could witness some of the shows, so we could take some photos because we could see what was happening. And we were really shocked that there was actually um, a little petting zoo with... Um, a number of animals, snakes, etc., in you know 40 degree heat, and the amount of drinking and carrying on also really sort of disturbed me. But you know, I mean, I guess it goes hand in hand with some events like this. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's long, it's long time, long past for them to stop. All right, thanks for that, Cynthia. And now we're here talking to Meg. How are you, Meg? Hi. Can you tell people why you're here today? Hi. Um, I'm here today with the Animal Justice Party. Um, personally, I'm the Animal Justice Party candidate for the seat of Kerangamite. And I'm here to represent all of us who care about animals. Um, personally, I'm appalled that we even have an event like this in Geelong, um, where I was born. And the fact that it's been advertised as a family-friendly family event... Um, and we can see, you know, kids of all ages walking in. It's just, um, that's the, the bit that really gets me the most, is that, yeah. you know, we should be raising our kids with kindness and compassion and yeah. um, seeing an event like this advertised, you know, as fun for the whole family is especially what brought me here because um, I just don't believe that we should be supporting that at all in any form, especially not in a place like Geelong where we're moving so progressively um, and this is just a really outdated, barbaric uh, form of entertainment that just has no place anymore. 100%. I think it's absolutely disgusting. 
it's really, really sad to see um, parents bring ch- children, especially young children, who really don't have any say in whether they're attending or not, and probably do love animals and don't really understand what's actually going to transpire here tonight. So, yeah, that's also extremely disappointing. Have you had any discussions with council about the event? Um, no, I haven't. Um, I'm in based in Krangamite, so that's Surf Coast Shire Council mostly, um, which is, yeah, fortunately the Surf Coast Shire Council is more progressive on these sorts of issues. Um, they have made a stand on quite a few animal issues uh, in support of animals and, um, you know, against these kind of events. Geelong Council does have a lot of work to do. Um, the fact that they would endorse an event like this on public in, in public showgrounds is just... I think it's just not reflective of what people, what the mainstream people want and, um, you know, the, the kind of people attending these events are a minority. Um, I just don't think, yeah, regular people want to see this kind of thing advertised in, in the place they call home. I don't think people support it. I think if they really knew what was going on behind the doors, they would feel even strongly, uh, even more strongly about it and probably be here protesting with us. But, yeah, unfortunately the council just doesn't seem to be reflecting what people want and um, not moving forward in a way that puts animals first and puts people's priorities first, which is that they don't, they don't want these kind of events going ahead. Very well said, Meg. Thank you. <laughs> it's interesting because Animal Justice Party, Western Region and Melbourne Cow Save have jointly protested um, an event that's been on every year in the city apart from these last you know couple of COVID years which is with an organisation called PBR which is Professional Bull Ridings. So they would have their Melbourne Invitational which was like their penultimate event late in the year November and it would be a really huge event at Melbourne Arena. So pre-COVID you know we'd get out on the streets in the city and hand out leaflets about issues around rodeos and what actually happens to animals And more often not, the people who stopped actually said, I can't believe this is actually happening in our city. And we're like, yeah, just down the road at Melbourne Arena, this is actually going to happen tonight. So I think what you're saying about the, the people who attend these events are a minority is absolutely true. It seems to be the kind of event that does bring people in from predominantly regional areas and I guess there's something there about, you know, uh, I guess amplifying messages about the kinds of things that are actually happening um, to these animals and the cruelty and the fact that really what right do we have to use sentient beings as a form of entertainment? Do you have sort of any perspective on that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, like I said before, I think it, it is really easy to feel like us standing out the front here protesting like we're the minority um especially you know you can see hundreds of people streaming into the event but then yeah like you said you've got to remember they're coming from all areas they're coming from rural towns regional areas um you know we're not going to change everybody's mindset in one day we know i understand that there's there's cultural differences and there's a lot of these kind of events going on in other areas but i guess that's why it's so disappointing that this has appeared here in geelong um like i said a, a city that you would think is quite progressive in a lot of ways especially on animal issues um but yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thanks so much, Meg. Great talking to you. Oh, Adam's got a question for you. Um, you mentioned earlier that you um, are sort of disappointed in the way that the um, the rodeo is marketed as a family-friendly event, and then animals are part of that. They're they're used and exploited in that entertainment. Are there ways that you think that we could engage? 
people and families in healthy relationships with animals, to build that connection and that empathy and that love for animals that obviously the AJP protesters have. Um, are there healthy ways that as a community we could, we could foster care for animals? Yeah, great question. I think that's really important and it's really underrated. Um, I think personally a really important way to do that is through our education system. I think schools have such potential for teaching kids not just what they learn you know, in the classroom but their values that they're going to guide their life by. And if we fostered a better sense of, of you know, enriching that compassion and that empathy and even just, just knowledge and education and, and being, ensuring kids are informed about these kinds of things, they would make their own decisions. You know, if, instead of raising them up and, and giving them a, a biased opinion either way on, on these kinds of things, kids have a, a really intuitive conscience and if we let them just tap into that naturally, um, not by you know, bringing them to these kinds of events or vice versa, um, I think our next generation would, would grow up just in absolute shame of the fact that we allow these things to go on and that kids were brought to these events and I think that naturally these events will die out as our you know my younger generation and the one after me is coming through and and making change and making noise on it um yeah other than that I think just you know potentially there's a, a big place for more investment in alternative family friendly events um you know, there's, there's a whole range of, of events that you could run that don't require animal exploitation. There's sustainable, healthy, you know, family fun outside. Um, kids need more of that. So, yeah, definitely I, I, would, I would really be glad to see the government invest more time and money into those solutions rather than, you know, these ones that are very outdated. And a little bit of a side question. What are the um, key animal issues uh, coming up in the election that you're going to be talking about as a um, candidate for AJP? Yeah, so um, the Animal Justice Party this year, one that we're really focusing on, that we've been focusing on since the last election, is ending live export. Uh, For us, that is absolutely huge. Um, A huge percentage of Australians, over 90%, want to see a ban to live export. They just don't support it. And again, it's just one of those things where the government's completely out of touch with what people want. And we're sending, you know, thousands tens of thousands of, of sheep, goat, cattle overseas on these hot, hot ships to the Middle East. Um, so that is something huge that we'd really like to see an end to. And obviously we can't do that unless we get a senator elected, um, it being a federal issue. So personally, I'm really here to support Bronwyn Curry's campaign, who's our lead Senate candidate. I would love to see her get elected. Um, and I know that she would fight tooth and nail to get uh, live export banned. Aside from that... Um, I and the Animal Justice Party are very passionate about ending animal testing, which again is a federal issue, um, as well as taking real, you know, an immediate climate action. Um, again, our government just hasn't, has just fundamentally failed to address the climate emergency. So uh, addressing animal issues and human issues and planet sustainability issues all intertwined is, is what we stand on, and that will, you know, influence a range of, of positive outcomes for humans, animals and planet. Fantastic. Thanks for all your hard work. I really appreciate it. All the best. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. What is the question? And now we're here with Puya. So how are you? And... Can you tell everybody who's listening why you're here today and what concerns you about events like these? Um, well, there is this uh, outdated, barbaric um, and cruel events happening here 
which sadly uh, some people think it is uh, entertainment to watch some animals suffer. I'm not even sure if they understand how these animals uh, are suffering. Uh, and we are here to be the voice of these animals uh, when, when um, they're without their consent, without their, um, you know, any um, authority to be part of this part of this event. Um, I don't know, people taking advantage of um, animals and, yeah, it's sad. It's very sad. I'm, I'm here just to be a part of, like a very little part of a, you know, the uh, trend of change, which is coming. We very much hope that change is coming. And, and what gives you hope about um, change and, you know, and justice for animals? What, what do you see as, um, I guess, the change in people's perception, in, in the public's perception, etc.? Well, um, I'm a school teacher and I know, like, I can see many younger people... Uh, they are a lot more aware, they are a lot more sensitive and they are a lot more educated about animal rights and what is really not necessary to do. Um, uh, this is absolutely not you know, necessary to torture animals, to abuse animals, to make them angry and to watch them suffer and just sit back and drink alcohol. Um, you know, even even we don't need to kill animals uh, for food. How about this absolutely, like, you know absolutely absolutely unnecessary and useless and um, yeah like as I said barbaric outdated uh, event and it's very sad to see like some kids um, are being here um, some of them could be you know uh, traumatized being watching these animals I'm sure a lot of these people watch animals I'm sure a lot of um, have animals I'm sure a lot of these people have um, cats, dogs, you know, like other animals around them, and I'm sure they love them, but um, the way they separate, you know, um, cat and dog from a sheep and a cow and just like, you know, uh, being unaware of, um, you know, of, unaware of why we are doing this, not giving it a good thought. Um, that is, That is, I think, like the people are here to... Give them a little uh, poke to their minds. You know, like maybe some of them, it's their first time to hear that animal cruelty is not entertainment. Um, so it could be very beneficial. And uh, the change has been always slow, you know, during history. Every social change is very slow. But um, at the same time, the hope is that you have to, um, you have to do it. I do it. I do it because I think it's right to do. And I feel responsible to do it. And the rest, the rest is just happens as it, as it happens. We can't control the rest. Very, very well said. It's interesting when you talk to people who aren't really aware of events like this and often people are surprised that in, you know, 2022, this kind of thing still goes on. Yes. And I know during the last couple of summers, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, yes. there have been um, a lot of events like this that haven't been able to go ahead, mainly because we were avoiding having, you know, large crowds gather. Um, I was going to come back to you. You mentioned that you're a teacher. What do your students um, say to you or discuss with you in terms of their awareness and understanding about ad animals as sentient beings and, um, and that animals really deserve their own consideration of their own rights? Yeah. yeah. Well, the good thing is, like, what makes me really happy is 
Um, well, I don't. Firstly, I don't impose my ideas to them. Like you know, uh, I do not say this is right or like you know everyone should be vegan or I should eat all. I should all uh, eat plants, um, plant-based food. But uh, when they ask, when I tell them my opinion, for example, like you know, I choose the topics for my lessons that are that matters to all of us, like climate change. And when I explain, I say like you know, one of the reason, one of the ways that we can. Uh, reduce the massive consumption of water in uh, animal agriculture is to eat plant-based food. And when they when they ask me, I tell the way uh, I eat and the way I live. And uh, very, yeah, like it's very good to see like they they do not like plainly and just blindly uh, disagree. They ask questions. So what is the difference between you know a uh, you know, uh, a killed meat of like a, of an animal um, burger with like plant-based burger, and like I just showed them the statistics, which are very valid, which are done, which are done by worldwide organizations. Like you now, thousands of liters of water for one uh, burger, in like you know, in comparison to a few liters of water for one plant-based burger, and they see it. And uh, young people are a lot more open-minded. And uh, I'm not saying that if people are like, you know, uh, a bit older or middle-aged or a bit older, they're not. But uh, yeah, I think the change is coming. Like, you know, um, it's, it's definitely coming. But we hope uh, with these kind of events, uh, we make part of it a bit faster to happen. This is part of the education. Um, we are not here to disrespect anyone. We are just here uh, to tell them the truth. and sometimes uh, the reality and the truth is something is animal cruelty it's hard to hear it's hard to uh, it's hard to say it's hard to hear but uh, I'm sure it will it will put seeds in these people's minds even if they you know like even if they react um, on spot and they get offended but they heard Animal cruelty is not entertainment, and this kind of stay in their minds, yeah. even if they ignore it. That's such a great point. It really, really is, Puya. Thank you. I've noticed that um, even at say horse racing protests over yes. the last few years, yes. that there seems to be attitudes that really are changing. And you know, we might be standing there, and, yeah. you know, with with placards um, yes. about horses and the way horses are used um, and really disposed of in the horse racing industry. And I remember a couple of years ago at a Caulfield Cup event, someone walked past shielding their eyes from the poster and said, I know, I know, I'm just here with my friends. And I couldn't help but reflect on, why don't you then just get your friends and go out for a picnic yeah, or go yeah, out yeah. for lunch or exactly. do something lovely? Yeah. I think that, you know, you're right when you say people are socially conditioned to think that these things are okay yes. and using an animal as a form of entertainment because we've done it you know for many years but i do really hold on to hope that for many people once they do get exposed to a different perspective that they will start to um to to open their mind a bit yeah exactly caroline and um did i say your name right caroline right of course (laughs) um yeah look um i have a few of those uh experiences like there was this guy um, and I started walking with him, and I said, "Like this is not uh, horse racing. This is not a nice event. Um, ho- horses getting killed." Um, and he said, "Well, 
this is uh, my first time and probably the last time. Um, it's you know I, I understand a lot of people uh, when someone disagree with them on the spot, uh, they do not uh, kind of uh, they do not express. They cannot change. They cannot show that they can change their mind on the spot. They feel embarrassed. They feel difficult. Uh, it's 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 genuinely difficult. But um, yeah, like it's it's important to uh, to to hear these opinions, you know, by them, so they can um, they can think about it. You know, they can think about it, and that's why at Melbourne uh, Melbourne Cup. Uh, like it's it's I just even I even feel bad. Melbourne is such a nice city, and like Melbourne Cup, like that deserves such a nicer event. How about this, like you know, really barbaric and outdated event, which is which is you know happily dying, and we I'm hundred percent sure that like next ten like in ten years time it would be it would be either disappeared or like massively shrinked. But we want that to make that ten years like five years, and hopefully two years, and hopefully like you know make more and more and more people aware so they like they do not pay um, money and they do not support these kind of events by their money 100% we've got to stop funding it right yes exactly yeah, and that's on all of us thanks so much Puria thank you that so was amazing you're listening to 3CR community radio 855 AM on digital and online 3CR radical radio and now we're here with Ruth hi Ruth how are you hi good I'm great today thank you Beautiful day, but not for the rodeo, not for the bulls. No. So would you like to tell us why you're here? Well, I think in this day and age, you know, using animals for entertainment is not appropriate. And I think, you know, putting a flank strap underneath a bull or a horse and making it buck artificially is really bizarre. And those bulls are probably going to be destroyed in the long run anyway. Um, and also, I'm not sure if they do calf roping here, but I think that's the, the very worst thing because the calves are running at speed and they throw a rope over their head and pull them up at, uh, when they're going fast. And it's extremely traumatic for them, of course. And they're only babies. Absolutely, they are just babies. I think there is a calf event here today, mm-hmm. yes. I also read that they've actually got a new event today for children, and so children can learn about um, using ropes, etc., with some of the um, mechanical dummies. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts about that? Well, I think it's terrible that people bring their children to this sort of event because they're teaching them... I mean, children are naturally compassionate about animals they love animals and now their their parents are actually teaching them to me it's a form of child abuse as well it's starting that conditioning very young isn't it, it is, that conditioning is um, very powerful as we know most definitely most definitely that animals are here you know for us to use um and and not really recognizing them as individuals and their own you know sentience yeah yeah Yes, I think it's particularly bad bringing children here, so that's why I've been saying it's not a family-friendly event because I'm very convinced about that. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, great. What do you think are some um, family-friendly events that would be good to help um, develop kids and families' compassion and empathy for animals? 
Well, going to somewhere like Edgar's Mission where they can really learn, you know, that animals are sentient beings and they're individuals instead of looking at, say, live export and people just talk about 50,000 animals going on a live export ship as if it's one animal, you know. So I think places like that are very good for education. Most definitely, most definitely. And as Adam and I were just discussing, they may also be a child's first experience of coming up close to animals. You know, many um, people live in, you know, the city or they don't have access to, um, you know, they haven't been around animals. So I think, again, Edgar's Mission is a really special place for that purpose as well. And um, I guess because I'm a professional dog trainer, I love to train children and because you're influencing them for the future and because I use positive reinforcement techniques, I think I'm setting the next generation off on the right path. And we talk about conditioning and, you know, living with animals in a way that is positive for the human and the animal. Um, I just like to dispel myths like you've got to be the superior being you know because that's not true we should be living as a family with animals like dogs and cats anyway I don't suppose we can live with a, as a family with 50,000 sheep but we can treat them humanely and provide shade for them and hopefully stop animal agriculture that's a big a big thing for me to stop animal agriculture yeah most definitely and I think that's a slightly different perspective isn't it for for people to to think about living alongside animals not living um, not having the animals live with them and not owning animals Mm -hmm. that you know that you can share life and enjoy life with animals as equals yeah absolutely thank you so much Ruth Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. I'm all fired up and ready to um, continue the chants that you can hear in the background. Some great chants going on in the background, absolutely. So we were just talking about children and the fact that there's quite a lot of children coming to the event now, that there is a special event on for children regarding cows where they can sit on a mechanical dummy and um, do some roping, etc. What's your, your... thoughts on that so i think for geelong rodeo this is the first time in my knowledge that they've had such a big and long um event that's included a, a children's component um it possibly has happened before but not while i've been doing um activism down here and as a psychologist i have concerns about all of this stuff because obviously we want um parents to raise their children with compassion and with the values that we uphold Um, as animal rights activists and advocates and vegans but it's really hard because these people don't think they're doing anything wrong by bringing their kids to these events and the kids it's a bit like when we go out to um, you know duck rescue and they've got their young children out with them and it's like a family tradition that they think they need to pass on to their kids I feel like this is similar but like we were speaking about before the problem is that When I was growing up, I rode horses. I'm not happy about that now, but we all live and learn and, you know, I don't exploit animals like that anymore. But it was a way for me to connect with an animal and feel that human-animal bond like we do with our companion animals. But it didn't occur to me until a while later that, a bit like with these um, bulls, maybe they're not enjoying that, you know. 
and especially trail ride horses that have just got people on them over and over. And then like we go to zoos when you're a kid because you love animals and you want to see them. You don't have another experience where you can say, oh, I can see animals in a more natural environment where they're free and happy rather than behind, you know, bars or whatever. And I think this is a bit like that, you know, like they're coming along and they're thinking, oh, it's animals, it's cool, but they're not understanding that these animals are suffering, you know, for the entertainment. And part of our message is we're saying it's not entertainment. Have it, Put yourself in the animal's perspective. They're not enjoying it. Like a woman I tried to chat to before who was a little hostile um, tried to say that the animal, the bull likes it. And I said, well, why do they buck so much? Why do they use the ropes? There are cattle prods. Because he's not broken in yet. So I can't argue with that because that's her mindset. I'm not going to kind of go, well, that's part of the problem, that you're trying to break that bull in. You know, we need opportunities to have kids see these animals in more compassionate and natural places like a sanctuary you know and we need to promote that and create other opportunities where you know people can connect with animals because again with psychology um i did my thesis on the human animal bond and a lot of it is about nature and animals and it's called the biophilia hypothesis Mm -hmm. so when we think about you know somewhere calm and beautiful or we go on a holiday some people might like to go to a thriving you know chaotic destination or they might you know go on a holiday or have a a setting that's you know busy but most people are like I want to get away I want to go out in nature I want to be at the beach or in the forest or whatever and that's part of our natural you know um, connection and desire to connect with nature and that includes animals so like we were saying before we've got to have other opportunities for people to do that that's not about you know entertainment and watching animals and paying to have you know experiences with them in captivity Mm. like mindful connection that builds respect and understanding and Mm. empathy with animals and when we are mindful of them as individuals then we can start to really build that connection in a different way a less exploitative way and a way that this is the caliber of person that goes to these events do you feel like a hero mate so cool that was obviously a fan of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't one of us, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, more mindfully connected. And I think, like, as I've kind of developed, you know, my, well, shifted my understanding and my um, view about connecting with animals, it's just logical that we want to connect with them in their natural spaces and not in an artificial kind of way or in a way where they're being made to do something that they clearly don't want to do. It's a big ask to get people like this to make that connection. But I think what we were saying before, maybe with the kids who are coming and looking at what we're saying, it might plant a little seed, so to speak, that there's a different perspective and that they might take that away and think, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. And I hope so. I think that's really important. And it might be, yeah, the planting of a seed. And it might be the planting of a seed for others who've just come with their friends for something to do tonight. So, yeah, we hope so. And I, I feel like I have seen some people sort of glance over at us and then look a little bit... I mean, I might be reading into it, but they look a little bit like, oh, yeah, OK, maybe this yeah. isn't so They're great. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I think it's... um. What's the expression that we use? 
I'm distracted by chanting. <laughs> um, no, I've lost my train of thought. Cognitive dissonance, thank you. If we can just have a little bit of cognitive dissonance when they'll go, oh, I haven't thought about it that way, and maybe just that subtle shift in six months, one year, five years, I don't know, something might happen. Uh, and I suppose, like, one of the important things about the sort of protest that is here today is that a lot of these people we all live in echo chambers now we yes. live in world so yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've um, come across a new idea recently which is um, that information has agency and it's looking for you because yes. it, like, yes. the, el- these algorithms know what mm-hmm. you're interested in yeah. and that information is coming to find you. Yeah. So you're just getting kept in this bubble and we all are. Yeah. And the same that these people, they love rodeo, they do rodeo things. Yeah. Um, that's all they hear. This is a break yeah. in that bubble. Yeah. We are providing a different voice that pierces through that bubble just a little bit. I think that's important. We don't get that enough. Absolutely. And especially Brilliant. on social media. Like we're in yeah. our echo chamber of like minded We are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it is it's interesting when like some of my friends on Facebook who actually haven't uh, haven't stopped following me. No, yes. <laughs> who are still following me. Some of them have made some little changes, you know, not vast ones yet, and I'm hopeful that they will. But that's the thing, if we can just find that balance of sharing the information but not having people so challenged and confronted by that that they just shut down and turn yeah. it off you know yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. thanks so much Naomi that was brilliant great to speak with you I'm going to go and yell at people again I want to drive food not bombs hot trains while I'm giving every info shop I want to give free therapy out in the park go to free school dumps and high racks on the rock drive food not bombs when I was new to Melbourne, I found a footnote bombs fly on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter.
70 innocent refugees are still being indefinitely detained in detention centres and secure hotels around Australia. Over recent months, many fellow detainees have been released onto bridging visas. Those remaining are desperate to know why they are still held. It is indefinite, it is cruel and it is unlawful. Every day a group of supporters protest this brutality outside the Park Hotel at 701 Swanson Street, Melbourne, where 11 men remain trapped and whose hopes are fading and whose mental health is declining. The aim of the protests is to raise awareness of the situation for the general public, but also to show support and solidarity to the men inside. It is also for the approximately 200 refugees still held offshore. Please come along any weeknight at 6pm or weekend at 3pm. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.